This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. Uh, very excited to be here talking about Across the Spider-Verse, joined by Nate Miller. Nate, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Mrs. Hampton, Katie Hampton, still, but those those pants are still sassy. I think it's still El Sassy pants. That's not yep. going to go anywhere, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can't be El Hampy pants. Got to be El Sassy. <laughs> and uh, fresh off his rave reviews from Little Shop of Horrors in Burbank, the one, the only, hello, hello. Mr. Eric Connor, Count Eric Connor, Eric, thank you for being here. We appreciate that uh, your uh, your accolades, your write ups, your nice reviews have not gone to your head. I really appreciate that. It hasn't you, happened yet. No, usually when you get a write up in myburbank.com, that's like, like I, it's amazing. I recognize any of you. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, you know uh brush fire somebody got stabbed at the home depot and then the next one down on myburbank.com was of course the little shop of horrors uh i i i can't wait for uh whatever might be next for you uh it was your first show in some decades i believe you said right? <laughs> about 25 years yeah it's so, time to uh, get back into it you so know? you, you got to be in like shape to bike. survive yeah exactly. say, Nate? just like riding a bike yeah, when, I didn't do it well when, before. I don't know if I did it well now. <laughs> Look, I, I've I've now seen you uh, eaten by a, an enormous plant, and uh, bef- I I could not say I can't say that about the other two of you. I've never seen that happen. I'm just gonna have to point that out yeah. there. Uh, so, in any case, uh, we are very excited to be talking about Across the Spider Verse, the the second animated Spider Verse film that we have uh, just gotten, and. Uh, obviously we're going to talk about it with all the spoilers because where's the fun in talking about no spoilers uh, when the movie's been out for almost a week now, I guess, uh, you know, it actually came out last Thursday for people to see it. So um, I want to see what everybody thinks. And just as the way that the, the movie starts surprisingly with Gwen We'll start with our own ghost spider. Uh, Katie, what did you think of uh, the movie? We're going to do big picture and then we'll get into smaller stuff. All right. Big picture. I love this thing. Um, I completely forgot this was a part one. Um, And luckily I had a friend that immediately as a title card showed up, I was like, okay, good. Cause I got a little stunned. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The whole time I was like, wow, act two really long. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it. The animation, first and foremost, was one of the, like, the first movie was incredible. But the amount of time and love that they put into this in all of the different things, oh, it just blew my mind. I I was stunned. I can't wait to own this because I can't wait to just pause and watch, pause and watch, look at things. Um, I'm very excited to get into all the nitty gritty details. Oh yeah, and to be able to freeze frame and be like, let's let's uh, spend some time figuring out all these different spider folk that uh, are in this uh, one single shot. Uh, Nate, same question for you. Just sort of a big picture uh, as you saw this, and uh, where do you think it, uh, it? Where do you think it uh, is in terms of what your expectations were for it? Do you think it 
admit it. First one looks uh, better. Where, where are you at with this one? You know, comparing it to the first one and also your uh, your excitement level ahead of time. I loved it. Um, I I really loved the first one. So I was when I was always in. I was already bought in. So I didn't read into a lot of the promotion or watch like too many of the trailers or stuff like that. I did not know it was a part one of two going into it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. The, the, my only complaint is that it is a part one. And so in some ways it feels like just a whole bunch of setup for something else. It, it suffers from the, uh, uh, infinity war problem or, or end game problem. Which one, which one came first? Infinity war one. was first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The infinity war problem of like, it's cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff. And this one especially is executed. Like the performances are great. The animation is awesome. Like there's a constant turn of like, not just like cheap gag laughs, but like really well thought out, smart, funny gags. Um, and then also like really good character development that doesn't get totally resolved, but gets like, uh, addressed and and like built up so yeah i mean i like it a lot i I can't help but think what this would have been like in just like a six episode series or something instead if they just gave us the whole thing at once um but man like one of the best experiences most fun i've had in a movie theater uh in a while for the last few movies that i've seen yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think that really sort of sums up the experience. And, you know, I think you're right from a storytelling standpoint. If it was like a six episode series, we would get more, but then we wouldn't have that experience. And there's a few people uh, in the chat who are agreeing. Daniel Drew, who I look to for knowledge in all things, even he forgot that it was a part one. <laughs> uh, he knew that the third one was coming, but I forgot it was specifically a part one and two. Uh, I had the exact same reaction as is something that is uh, I was able to share with Eric because he was right outside of the theater uh, right after my wife and I saw it. They were doing a you're very involved in Burbank. It was uh, the, the, the cultural. Uh, I don't know. What, what was that booth you were at there? The, the Parks and Rec? I don't even know. Uh, don't, what it was. don't worry about the booth I was in. Yeah, yeah, don't you worry about that booth. Just know that it took quarters. Uh, so he was, yeah, so I ran into Eric and I was like, oh, I, I really liked it, but uh, boy, did I not know that this was a, you know, true cliffhanger-y cliffhanger. I knew there was another movie. I just didn't know it was like, well, you, you think you know where this is going? No, you don't. You're not going to find out. It's a, you're, we'll, we'll get back to you in nine months. And I don't think it takes away from this. But it's it's hard to look at this for me personally as a complete film because it is a incomplete film. Uh, so uh, but there's still a lot of great stuff to enjoy. And I, I really I think there was just that moment was like, oh, no. OK, well, I mean, I knew I was getting more and uh, I'm just going to have the, the story continue. So, uh, Eric, same question that I asked both uh, Nate and Katie. Uh, just a big picture. And did you see it uh, with your children or did you want to actually enjoy it in peace and silence? Uh, so you, you, <laughs> you sat in a, in a theater filled with strangers instead of your children. After I went to the booths, I uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went by myself. Now I, we, we actually went, it was a big group of us, 10 of us, half kids, half adults. 
oh. than whatever I am. Okay. Uh, so, and uh, we didn't get the invite, <laughs> but sure, talk more about that. That sounds oh, that sounds oh, like a I, lot of fun. You know, actually, we see these things like in advance, and then you know, listen to, to invite you to an opening night means oh, I've okay. seen it. Well, you brought it up, and now I have to explain why I I went and saw it on Sunday after like everybody like regular had seen folk. It. I had to go see it with the, the the peons and the commoners. No, I didn't. I there. I, I did get invited to the the press screening. We have a we have an in at Sony now, as you know, uh, and he made sure I got the invite. And uh, it was the night of my wife's fortieth birthday, and uh, it said right on top of the invite, no guests. So uh, I'm happy to report that uh, I'm still married <laughs> two weeks later and uh, I had to wait to see it. But we went and saw it together as part of a you know a weekend worth of uh, plans. The, the, and, and by the way, Christian, might they, they might be the cutest couple in Burbank. Uh, I, Who I was? Give, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the I'm two of gonna... you coming out, both in your matching Spider-Man outfit. I mean, they weren't matching. They, just they were matching. Like, no, no, no. They were matching. Yeah. No, we didn't. <laughs> it wasn't like those families that go to Disneyland and they no. print up the shirt. I assure we're you like, they were matching. Sp Spider-Verse 2 at the Burbank IMAX 16. <laughs> we had like a little, we made our own little tour shirts. Anyway, I did you hear. Saw... Someone told me they saw a family in matching outfits at their, their oh, showing of Spider-Man. Oh, I, I they did the say way, they were in Burbank too. I yeah, I <laughs> loved how right. many people dressed up for this. By the way, yeah, I mean, and that's true. my my son tried to wear a mask, uh, and they they stopped him, and I felt bad. My twelve year old, uh, he was wearing, and in fact, I was going to unbox this. This was not actually from our contact, uh, Christian, but another friend at Sony. I was going to unbox this live, but then I realized my dog already took care of it. Oh no! Oh um, <laughs> no! But it is this lovely pin. Uh, which oh, I will beautiful. happily wear, nice. and I'll happily wear it to the next time. You'll see here. Segway. I'll happily wear it next time because I want to see this again on the big screen. Yeah, so, uh, all right. and this is definitely a movie that needs to be seen on the oh big screen. God. You yeah. know, it, Katie, remind me of like The Simpsons at its prime. So I'm talking like <laughs> when you were like zero years old. Um, okay, wow. Okay. <laughs> so how, in old essence, you, how old do you think Nate is? I mean, he was <laughs> also Nate, zero. Nate I, had, I have the first nine Simpsons box set DVDs. Okay. I, so and, I, and, and, I did and, my and, homework. And you know how many more sets you need to buy after that? Zero. Yeah. 30. You, 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 oh. you, tapped <laughs> out, you tapped out at the perfect point, uh, season yeah. nine. Yeah. But so, so every now and then, I'm like, of, I should watch some Simpsons. And then I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and it, at its peak, like the during, and you could borrow Nate's box sets at any time. He told me, uh, <laughs> okay, whoever you are, wherever you are, he'll send it. You know, those first seasons, like well, not the first seasons, but the mid seasons early on, they there were so many things that if you watched it once, you missed half. Um, and 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 I got this feeling when I was watching Spider Verse that there were so many, like you were saying, Katie, you can't wait to own this. Mm -hmm. There's so many deep track references in there that oh. I know I missed, and I'm a, I'm a pretty legit fan. But then I talk to y'all, and I'm like, oh god, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child amongst giants. <laughs> um, and and the thing is, though, it wasn't just fan service. I think that's the greatest compliment. Like it mm -hmm. managed to be, in some ways, all things for all people. Like if you go in there with a deep knowledge of Spider-Man, you're going to be happy. If you go in there with no knowledge of Spider-Man at all you'll be happy because this thing works on like every level, emotionally, visually, the colors, the animation, the Even music. Even just the theme. The theme oh, the of, themes were beautiful. Yeah. The theme of just like, here's a kid that has been told that he doesn't belong, even in this wide universe. Right, 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 right. Of all, and it's like, 
why can't I? Like that that seems to be the key of this is like, why can I not belong to all of this and all of this difference? Um, which I, I think we're just gonna get like it feels like the Empire Strikes Back movie right yeah. before um we get to the crux. And I'm it, it I'm very excited, yeah. And on that, I was going to make that same comparison, Katie, because I, it, in some ways, you could say it's a cliffhanger, but it didn't feel to me like the same kind of cliffhanger as like uh, Infinity War, where literally, you know, snaps his fingers, half them gone, he sits down, and you're like, we have to wait a year. Um, <laughs> it, this at least felt along the lines of Empire, although when I was a little kid crying because they froze on Solo, um, you know, I, I was like, I can't wait for return, but I had to wait three years. Here it feels like sort of like what they did really with Empire, which is like reshuffle the deck. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't necessarily for me feel as much like a cliffhanger, but rather the second volume. And on that end, I think this is already well on the way to becoming maybe the best trilogy ever. Like it could, depending on how that third one is. Like, and I love my Star Wars, my Lord of the Rings, but this, uh, I don't know. It's pretty it's, incredible. it's pretty damn close. Well, you're clearly not bringing into consideration the first three Fast and Furious films. Where we can <laughs> uh, Ivan Soto, an interesting Ivan Soto with an interesting comment. He says, "This may be dumb, but I still can't believe I have a Puerto Rican superhero so crazy." I don't think there's anything dumb about that. I mean, I no. think that it's it's the great thing about these characters getting a spotlight and doing Spider Verse in the way where it's like, yes, it's Miles's story. And this was kind of important for the, the first one a little bit more. It's like, but we know everybody likes Peter. Well, here it's like, you want you want a lot of Peters? How about a couple of Gwens? You know, you want a, you know, a spider horse? You know, there's a little bit spider of everything. Car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spider car. Car. Um, yeah. I have an insanely cool story about the Lego Spider-Verse. I uh, want to hear about that now then. Okay. It was done by a 14-year-old kid. Oh, I just heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was crazy. a fan that recreated the trailer for the Spider-Verse and um, they reached out to him and they realized he was a 14 year old kid, but they were like, can you do this sequence in the beginning of the movie? And they pretty much worked remotely except for um, a couple of check-ins every week. And this kid, this 14 year old kid learned Blender and was making these movies and like recreating like epic scenes from Spider-Man. It, and I just love the fact that this kid is 14 and already has a huge major motion movie credit as like an animator. You know, the, uh, the clickbait version of that story is the headline. Uh, Sony uses child labor to make multi-million dollar <laughs> film, but it is very cool when, when fans get to do that, you know, uh, it's, uh, Every once in a while, something like that comes up. Like, I think that uh, I think it was the last uh, Peter Capaldi season on Doctor Who. The opening was actually something that a fan had made. I think they gave oh. the money to sort of make it look a little nicer. But it was just like, oh, we really like this. So, uh, it, it, sure. You know, and so when, it, when the fans are literally involved, uh, I, I think it's great, especially a project like uh, Spider-Verse. What were you going to say, or? When I was just going to say, Katie, I found out about that story yesterday. I came home and I screamed at my 14-year-old for an hour. Like, <laughs> like dude, what, what have you, you done? You, you bring no money into the house. I mean, you like Legos. What's the point? I've I've got an almost eight-year-old, so I'm, we're going to have to talk today after he gets home. Oh, my home God, from, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be like, you know. You're talking about it all. You're, it's not, yeah, the Legos aren't for fun, okay? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you have a YouTube channel. You want yeah, to you go to college? You want to go to college or not? <laughs> anyway, 
but uh, yeah, so I mean, there's there's just so much to it, and uh, you know, obviously, there's so many different things that you can kind of carve open and and you know start analyzing. So I'll kind of we'll go we'll go kind of in the same order, and I'll ask uh, what some favorite characters or moments are in the movie uh, for each of you. What did you uh, find, Katie? Um, I, I love that Issa Rae was in all of this. Um, she's fantastic. And I feel like we did not get enough of her. Um, Spider-Punk with, uh, Daniel Kuluya. Um, I, I, the whole time I completely forgot he was in the movie and the whole time I was like, I know that voice. Who is that voice? And so it was like, as soon as the credits started rolling, I pulled up IMDb and I was like, oh, of course. I can't wait to get more Spider-Punk. Um, he was so great. And what a great like catalyst to get Miles to sort of rebel in certain areas. Um, I, you know, I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I call him schlubby Spider-Man. Peter Parker <laughs> um, was there and also had a kid. Um, so I feel like there's a lot in that and remains consistent um with his character through this movie and still being that sort of schlubby like mentor character that just happenstance is telling him the right things but just doesn't know quite how to phrase things or do the right thing in the right way um can we just talk about the fact that Haley Seinfeld is just like owning the entire Marvel universe? <laughs> right. I mean, she's she's Hawkeye now. It, it doesn't you know if you if you follow the Jeremy Renner story at all, it seems like I, I don't think he's going to be Hawkeye anytime soon. He's just so happy he's you know, still alive after that accident. And uh, yeah, I mean, she's already going to be Hawkeye, and she's uh, Spider Gwen. Uh, what's what's next for uh, Haley Steinfeld? And at least to date, she was in the only good Transformers movie. You know, I'm, I'm sure Rise of the Beast is going to be amazing. But uh, uh, she's in the first Transformers movie. No, she's in Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 I seen it. well. Uh, if you if you like the Transformers movies, but you think that uh, there's too many, no, I didn't say that. It, if there's <laughs> too many Transformers in it, and you want a movie where there's only one Transformer. Bumblebee is the movie for you. You're like, nah, let's what? just have less. A Transformers movie with one Transformer? It's, I mean, it's called Bumblebee, you know, and and uh, spoiler alert for a movie from like five years ago. There might be some others uh, at the end. Accurate uh, advertising, at least. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, what about you, Nate? What, what, you know, after the movie, you know, walking out of the theater as you start like playing back the movie in your mind, what are some of the things that stood out of like, oh, yeah, this this was really great? Um, this movie gave me a lot of Shrek vibes and in, in the way that like, it's, it's a kid's movie, but like, there is so much more there. Like what I, I'm a very active watcher, like to the point of where a lot of stuff is boring to me, you know, because there's not that much going on. Right. This is about as far the opposite as you can get from that. And every scene is packed, not only with just great storytelling and characters and stuff, but the depth visually, like between things that like just stuff that like little tiny ads that just like fly across the screen for like half a second that has like a really funny joke. That's like a play on something in our world or something like little details and stuff like that, that I was just going crazy watching the movie. I was like, 
just like Katie said, like, I cannot wait to watch this again. Like, there's so much stuff. It's so, like, visually pleasing, the different animation styles. Um, yeah, Spider-Punk was my favorite. Uh, I had a similar experience with uh, uh, with Ben Riley with Scarlet Spider, because, like, I know that voice. I know, I know it's someone <laughs> funny doing right. a fake, like, deep, serious voice, but I couldn't figure out who it was, and, of course, it's Andy Samberg, and I was like, that yeah. makes, that makes total it's, sense. It's Andy Samberg doing his, like, um, his, oh, shoot. What, Nicola, his Nicholas Cage, Cage voice, impression. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. voice that he would do on SNL. I mean, it's not literally, but it's pretty close to it. But it's yeah. basically his, like, yeah. Nick Cage voice. Being a 90s kid, okay, I read a lot of Ben Riley, a lot of Scarlet Spider, a lot of the moody, like it's it's Spider Man, but really it's like a Spawn comic, like and that it was just so funny. And like you said earlier, Christian, there's like this. I don't know exactly because I do know a lot about Spider Man, and so I can say from that perspective it was great. But I would imagine just with how good the plot points are. That even if you don't know, like all these little, like you don't know who Scarlet Spider is, that that's still that scene is still funny because of like the way the character is played and the voice and like what he says and stuff. And I think it's a very delicate balance to be able to do both like that. And for them, like to do this again after how good that first film is and the payoffs too of like the spider, like like why the spider had that number on it and why it looked like a little bit different in the first film and like the the bagel thing like just very like it feels like a comic book and i mean that in the sense that like everything is there because it has its like you everything we come in contact in the story feels natural it doesn't feel like okay well this happens because later in the story this has to happen right like when they go to that first when they first jump when he follows gwen right and they end up in the india uh spider-man place and like it just you're suddenly in this whole it's not just like this little set piece it's and i think the animation style is really what helps sell that that gives each world like its own little bit of personality, like immediately as soon as you see it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just weird to see. We don't get a lot of media that, especially in like visual media, that crosses uh, styles like that. You know, like when you get uh, Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Like when that came out, like that was huge because like it's animated, but it's also live action, and you're having these characters, you know, Space Jam again. Uh, which never had a sequel and (laughs) doing that again in the animation level especially with the way that viewers have been trained now with hd and different frame rates and stuff like then jumping to like seeing a lower a 30 a 30 fps frame rate character next to like a 60 fps frame character on the same screen in hd is like i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's just like really really sells the like different universe more than you can do in any other like i love everywhere everything ever all at once and they did a good job in a lot of ways of doing that as well but still it's for the most part not entirely but for the most part it's all like live action so it's all still kind of has that same feel um so yeah it just really really captures that comic book energy um and i want to say what eric said earlier about why it doesn't feel as much like uh, uh, Infinity War 
in terms of like satisfaction at the end there is a good self-contained story there that we get with gwen right and that's why the movie starts with her and we have that important scene the the tricky part is what happens after that scene where there's still more like setup and stuff and it's like okay wait is there more happening and then the movie ends and you're like oh right this is a part one uh, <laughs> but that at, that having a solid conclusion helps a lot in the film feeling complete as well as like even though they do take a loss it's not like a total tko like with 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 infinity war like it was like boom half the people are dead you guys lose game over and we left thinking like how what deus ex machina time travel you know and of course that's what they did whereas this one it's like okay spock got stronger they failed in that end you know he's in the wrong place but like there is there, there is some hope in a sense like it's not it's it's like a man our guys are it's like you said reshuffling the deck they're down but not out right. so well, we're also, more excited infinity war had that feeling too of okay i mean i don't know how but obviously everything that just happened is going to be undone <clears throat> so it's like all right well let's let's see what the adventure is and this is just more of your traditional cliffhanger let's see what's next uh and so yeah I, but you're right there is sort of there is the through line of, of Gwen's story uh, that basically takes us uh, through this uh, to Nate's point about having the different styles. Obviously, you know, there's great moments where you have live action, you know, you have Donald Glover as the Prowler, yeah. you know, which was, was the character that he played not as the Prowler in uh, homecoming. And also there, you know, 70s spidey or just sorry 1967 spidey shows up and and you know <laughs> also having the the live action clips from the from the andrew garfield and toby mcguire movies yeah and, and you know and the one from the kids show with with the weird shaped face spider-man yeah um, yeah <laughs> The like bobblehead. And the one from the game, game, from the Insomnia I, game. Dude, is in there. He's, like, the, his roommate's playing the yeah, Insomnia yeah. game. I was, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, you guys went all out for all of these things. I, I kept waiting for Iceman and and Firestorm to also appear. Wait, wait, right, that's her name, right? Um, uh, Firestar. Firestorm Firestar. is a decent right. character. Yeah, and, you're right, and, right, right. But the <clears throat> the nod to that series though is <clears throat> one of the um. I don't remember what they call it when they contain those sort of the, the, the anachronisms, the things that don't belong. One of those is a, a character, I think from the first episode of Spider-Man is amazing friends from the early eighties. It's a character called video man. And it's like, like a pixelated thing that, uh, that electro creates on that series. And, <clears throat> so I think that was before we saw Donald Glover. So I was like, wow, that's a, you know, like a really inside mind blowing thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, but we got, you know, we get the Charles Gambino over here. I'm like, all right, all right. okay, fine. But or, or when, or so, when they did the diss track in there, when they uh, said that in the was Doctor Strange and that annoying kid or something, I'm like, that, that, was, that was nice actually. Yeah. I, like I mean, that. a name checking MCU, but but insulting them in the process, yeah, in the process of it all. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I'm gonna ask uh, Eric the same question to yep. something to isolate, but because you brought up the MCU, let's talk about that for a moment because there's sort of the expectation that we don't get Tom Holland. We don't get MCU for, there could be a lot of reasons for it, but I would be surprised if we don't see him in the next one, even if it's just as much as we saw, you know, and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. 
Uh, does is anybody feel like we won't see him? Are you like, no, they they're clearly telling different stories because you know they put him in Sony movies. They're Sony movies like with Marvel. He certainly could have been in this movie. They wouldn't have had trouble working that out. I don't think. I feel like but, once you bring him out, that's the cameo. It, you know, I think that's like yeah. the knockout punch of cameos. So the finishing move. So I think like that's one you maybe hold off on. Because I, I could see that dude popping up at the end of the next film. Next, yeah, film, yeah, you know, sort of Carol and, Danvers style, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I personally, I would have liked to have seen uh, Nicholas Hammond, who is the uh, '70s live action Spider-Man, the one basically he <sighs> shot like ropes out of his wrist. And yeah. let's not forget Japanese Spider-Man, where Jap- basically I, 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 have to say, I knew, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's like his best friend was like Voltron, essentially. I mean, just, just you know. So, uh, but there's another movie coming. So uh, I would uh, I, I, it would be great if we got to see those as well. So but uh, for you, Eric, uh, mm-hmm. what was a sequence, a character, a moment, anything that you, you know, as you thought back or maybe something that uh, your kids latched on to as the group of you and your 10 real friends uh, were walking around, probably went somewhere <laughs> to had a delicious meal afterwards that I also wasn't invited to. But that's all right. <laughs> Cold out. <laughs> Come for the spider. Stay for the guilt. Um, wow, welcome to the world of Bladcast. Um, <laughs> well, so you know, this is a movie that does big and small really well, and, and that's something I think that's been you know. And I, I'll defend a lot of the recent Marvel releases because I think there's not one that I didn't like, but I didn't love them in the way I loved previous Marvel ones. But but I thought this is one where it really understands like if you don't figure out the small, the big doesn't matter. So in the big scale, like the set pieces, the, you know, the, the wow moments, like I'm sorry, but you know, miles escaping all the other Spider-Man and Spider-Women was remarkable. Wow. There was so much going on there. And it was like one of the great set pieces I've ever seen in terms of it just kept getting bigger and crazier and crazier, then got smaller again. It was like the movements of a symphony. It was so good. And that scene, I, I just, I think on just like what they were able to do, the action, the sort of the, how they even like, I know you, they're not putting a camera someplace, but the framing, everything about that sequence, which could have been a freaking mess was not, it was really clear. There was great tension. Um, I love that set piece. And then on the flip, that single moment of him, that is in essence, the closest this movie came to the famous upside down kiss. Uh, from the first Spider-Man is them upside down just talking and Miles, you know, Miles is, we're all thinking a kiss is going to happen. It doesn't. I'm glad it didn't, but that moment between them, it, it, it took its time. It's a good few minutes long and it takes the idea of like, oh, this is the cute moment. This is the moment of their romance blooming and it didn't go anywhere obvious with it. And I love the visual of the upside down city landscape. Just that was a moment I was like, okay, that that really shows the talent of the storytellers. I'm sorry, go ahead, Katie. That transition shot of like just dipping the frame with her, yeah, was I I, I'm like, wow, I wonder how they shot that. I'm like, dummy, it's animation. Uh, (laughs) It was one of those moments, like (laughs) five camera people died making that shot, (laughs) right? Exactly. Um, and they must have those like spider sticky feelers on their butts in order to be able to sit down like that. Um, but yeah, no, that shot was so beautiful and there's so so many frames in this movie alone that just need to be stills and like hanging on my wall because 
wow, what they did with that was just, it, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I, I get how they did that. They animated it. But at the same time, I'm like, but how beautiful, like, they communicated that in such a beautiful film way. Like, like they shot it real. And I don't, I don't know what the thought process was into that. I don't know why I was so moved by that. But as soon as she turned over and they just sat together, uh, God, that, that scene and the scene where Gwen talks to her father, um, that, all right and the colors change during the scene it makes me cry every time yeah the watercolors they just bleed into each other and then when when she flips them and they hug and it just explodes into their colors holy shit i'm already crying uh yes uh, a bladcast adventure as i as i mentioned i i went uh with my wife and uh oh there were tears uh any it, it was uh it was all parental moments because you know we're we're parents now, so we don't identify with the with the characters in these movies. We're always like, oh, their parents must be worried about them. You know, I don't want to be worried about my little Spider-Man, my little my little ghost spider. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this is what the 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 10th movie of starring Spider-Man that we've gotten and that web swinging sequences can still be inventive and interesting, yeah. you know? And I mean, this is because the scene with Miles and Gwen, obviously you have the two of them. So it, you know, it's a, it's a new take on it, but you know, I, I think that what 20 some odd years ago, I, I was just like, wow, they, they really nailed that for the first time ever. And uh, you know, just always raising the stakes. I thought that was great. We uh, talked about him briefly, but the, uh, the, the Indian Spider-Man, uh, you know, yeah. Mabatin, that whole sequence was amazing. The style, the music, the characters, the, the slight variation on, you know, the, the, the Peter and Gwen story. You know, I, I just I was like, you want to talk about uh, giving me six episodes of a series? I, I would I would enjoy having that, you know, just, uh, and, you know, then you can do another one about another one. You know, I mean, I definitely enjoy a spider punk uh, adventure, you know, but uh <laughs> Uh, so I, I thought for me, that was just like, I, I, look, I'm not, I don't, I don't know that variation of Spider-Man at all. I don't, I don't I know want anything. to. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, I'm, you know, what you know, Dan Slott wrote like a thousand issues of Spider-Man. You're going to tell me that there isn't one that uh, is a story about that guy. So I, uh, I hope to be able to find <laughs> that, but that's the thing. It's like, there's so many different things to latch onto. There's so many great characters. Um, there's you know, the the knock is that uh, I didn't get uh, I, I didn't get my spider ham fix, but we did see him at the end. Yeah. And uh, I did notice that he didn't talk. So that was like no checks to John Mulaney for this movie. But uh, we'll have to write a big one for the third one, I suppose. Well, he might not have been available at the time of all. He might not recording. have. But also it's an animated movie. So you you could have recorded it like the week before. But I know what you're saying. His, yes. He was... His dialogue might have just been a rehab session. <laughs> they could have, they could they, 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 it's like, wait, why is, why is Spider Ham, uh, you know, saying lines from his last Netflix special? But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I, so, you know, I think that, you know, we got so many, and, and then it's so funny because you can think of the other ones. I want to circle back on uh, Scarlet Spider, uh, the Ben Riley, because, uh, you're with the way Nate was talking about it. Uh, my wife absolutely did not know that character. She'd never seen that suit. She didn't know anything about him. And now in her mind, he's a doofus like that. 
You know what I mean? So it's like they kind of did him wrong. I think they did him dirty a little bit because but he's very funny in this movie. But at the same time, it's like, well, I guess that's that's going to be him forever. I I don't have a lot of affinity for uh, anything that came out of any of the clone sagas. Uh, I I didn't stop reading when Ben Riley took over, but it was, you know, it was, it just reinforced that, uh, oh, okay. This is why this is part of the reason I'm not reading Spidey anymore. Uh, I, I liked Peter and, uh, look, I, I, the idea that I think that that's, that sort of resistance to Ben Riley that, you know, people had, whatever that was 25 years ago is why giving us miles in this way was perfect. And I'm talking about the first film, obviously, because now we, you know, we all know him and we like him and doing him animated before doing him live action. I think that uh, Sony hasn't done a lot of things right with this, uh, it, this like, you know, multi-billion dollar property that they have in the way of Spider-Man. But uh, I think the way that they've given us miles has been good. Uh, and I, you know, I think to really get to spend time with Gwen and have her not just be, you know, some really cool cosplay that you've seen people do, you know, it's a, it's a great sweatshirt you can buy. My daughter has one, you know, uh, so I, I thought uh, all that was great. Uh, I want to uh, we should really fixate on uh, oddly. There's there's two big bads in here, and one of them's supposed to be a good guy. I want to start talking about Spot, the Spot. Um, he uh, first appears in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. He has a cameo appearance in uh, number ninety-seven, and I started read. That was my first Spider-Man comic. Was uh, number eighty-nine of that. So this is the first year I'm reading comic. I loved that character. I thought he was really cool. This is pretty goofy, and they took that kernel of like this is a real goofball character but what about when the goofball character is like i i can be so much more just imagine if if miles was just late for that meeting and he took him seriously he wouldn't have needed to do all of this he wouldn't have needed to unravel the spider verse and uh i thought that idea of you know the the really slight minor villain that most people i mean i know he was on the animated series uh, and when I was, uh, I, I talked about this uh, film uh, f with our friends over on uh, Geekscape uh, earlier this week, and uh, Garrett Briones, who was on there, he pointed out that Spot is the only character on the the '90s animated Spider-Man series that Spidey actually punches. They they didn't want they wouldn't let him punch people, but Spot he could, I guess, because he had the the holes everywhere. But it was just such a great like arc following that character and his arc is, you know, not over. <laughs> There's going to be more spot. I don't know. I just thought it was, it was such an interesting choice. I knew spot was in this movie because we'd seen him in the trailer or whatever. Hey, I didn't think we were going to spend this much time with the spot. What do you, th what do you think of, of the spot? Uh, Nate, let me ask you first. I, the same as you. Well, not exactly same because I, did not start reading. Yeah, because you you're not really old. I know. I get it. You weren't buying uh, comic no, books. No, no, no. You weren't buying comic saying. books on the newsstand yeah, in 1983. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I think I saw him in a trailer and I knew he was in the movie, but I definitely was not expecting him to escalate in the way that he did. Um, but I think it was, a, it was, it, it's cool. It, it helps. Okay, what makes really good villains is like their motivation, and honest. The often the best way to get that to be believable and round out a character is to see kind of like that evolution that gets them to that way of thinking, right? And so we kind of missed some of it in terms of like 
him just like like all the in between of him getting hit with the bagel and being turned into spot until where we see him now. But we see him basically right at his starting point of like I lost my job. My family doesn't want anything to do with me. I have to like kind of steal money to survive. Although they don't clarify if he has to eat or not. But, you know, he probably wants a place to live and maybe some clothes, right? He can't get a job. So he goes to try. He's like, I'm not stealing from you. I'm stealing from the bank, from the ATM, right? And then as he goes on, he gets confronted with this person that he blames for ruining his life who and continually, like, is beating him up and ruining his life more, making it harder for him to just try to survive. And then he's like, well, what if I make myself stronger? And then I make myself stronger. And then he gets addicted to the power and and consumed with this like revenge of this person who ruined his life and getting to see that grow from like oh yeah it's funny haha little joke so like oh my god he's getting kind of really strong to like oh he did the thing they failed to stop him and he did the thing and now he's like super god powerful stuff like i thought that was that was really cool um especially i i knew yeah i uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, who does the voice? Oh my god, he's so Max funny. Max Fisher. Yeah, and yeah. he. <laughs> yeah, Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is Max Fisher? Is that the? Is that his name in the HBO show? The no, no, Rushmore. Uh, that oh, was Rushmore. Eric and Rushmore. Oh. Anyways, he is so funny. Um, but also he, I think, is a totally underrated actor and very much sold the, the line was bouncing before but back and forth between like silly haha crazy to like oh my god scary unhinged crazy and mm. to do that with just obviously he's assisted by the animation but the vocal performance was like it's awesome it reminded me of like the early 90s superhero or like i guess late 90s because we didn't really get into like the mid to late 90s superhero movies where we started out with the geeky character that's just misunderstood and then becomes the ultimate villain because nobody was listening to them. Um, and I was like, oh, this feels very Sony. Um, but at the same time, like, so justified where we get to see the villain's arc within him becoming the villain. Um, and and just like, okay, you're just the villain of the week. You, you know, you're, you're nothing, you're nothing, you're nothing. And like, you can only tell somebody you're nothing so many times before they explode. And I think that was one of the biggest things um in the themes of this movie and several of the movies surrounding it where it's like you're you aren't supposed to be here you no one wants to give you any credence um and that's spot's whole thing <laughs> is that people keep telling him that he's nothing yeah you know, it, and uh, and go ahead eric yeah yeah well i was gonna say it, it it's funny it reminded me of where they failed with electro in uh Amazing mm. Spider-Man 2. Because Amazing Spider-Man 2, think of the arc, same thing. You know, nerdy guy, sort of looked down upon, like, treated like, like you know, punk. And at first, you know, not necessarily a supervillain yet, but works his way up towards it. Except somehow they took the fabulous Jamie Foxx and made him terrible in that film. <laughs> it was so and then, bad. And, it was, and, it was and really he was great. In No Way Home, he was great. I mean, yeah. it was what? Really he was great. Different writing, different directing. But but where they failed with Electro is where they succeeded here, uh, in essence, like totally buying into his transformation over the course of the film. Nate, I love what you we were saying about the, he did all that just with his voice. I mean mm. that that 
which really shows just what Jason Schwartzman brought to the table. Because, yeah, he was hysterical at the beginning when he was goofy, but you totally, every step of the way for his change, you're there for dramatically, you buy into it. Um, and even like the visuals, what they did, which started off as kind of comedic, those visuals became a little more menacing as they went on too. like the use of sort of shadow and space. Like all of a sudden it's like, no, this is actually pretty creepy. Uh, and also, I think like, they set up a great villain for the next one. I'm sorry, go ahead, Nate. The, well, I just want to say on that, the visual thing too, he starts as like this like white with like the little spots and right. you can see kind of like the sketch marks of like how when you're drawing figures for like the body. And then in the end of the movie, obviously after he gets all the powers and stuff, he's like this black blob that's like not even really solid kind of like dissipating like and it's it is such a stark visual change um that yeah it's like i just wanted to accentuate what you said like yeah it yeah, really totally. adds to it well it, it's yeah. interesting too especially when his large spots show up in these catalyst events or or, or canon events um you know kind of ruining the spider-verse um how we start to see the different versions of the Spideys coming in very TVA, like trying to clean things up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, Oh, there's a very uh, like time variant association type thing going on with all these Spideys trying to rectify stuff within their own like corporate structure, <laughs> um, which brings me to Oscar Isaac's character. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's what I wanted to make sure we uh, talked about uh, before before our conversation uh, starts to dwindle down. I want to talk about Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara and uh, Oscar Isaac. Uh, fantastic, uh, you know, characterization for that. And I think it's great. Miles uh, has the, the point. He's like, wait, you've got claws? Like, are you sure you're a good guy? It's kind of the point. Uh, I, I sort of set this up uh, a few minutes ago. Ivan Soto in the chat says Miguel O'Hara wasn't really a villain. He was more of an antagonist. Yes, he's an he's an adversary. He's not a villain. He but like so many of your good villains, he thinks that what he's doing is right. And he thinks that what he's doing is necessary. And I think towards the end of this film, we start to see that, you know, what well, maybe it's not all necessary, you know, that there are times where you know, some of these uh, these universes, some of these realities do start to implode on themselves, but it doesn't mean that they all will, perhaps, you know, and especially because Miles, by the nature of him not supposed to be Spider-Man and the freak that created the fluke that created it. Well, maybe he doesn't actually have to follow that narrative. Maybe his dad. But he but his him, the fluke of him becoming Spider-Man is also what created Spot. And is now yep. putting everything in jeopardy. So I don't know. I'm not convinced Miguel is wrong. I don't yeah. agree with him. I would still try to like save the dad. I, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm, sh and I'm, sh I have been very confident in the writing team that they are going to wrap this up very well somehow. I, yeah. I don't know how. But I, I just, I don't know. Like, well, think Miguel about makes a very compelling argument. Well, think about the point of like Spot, like always being told he's not worth anything. He's not supposed to be part of this. He's not even supposed to exist type of thing. And same things are being said to Miles. So mm -hmm. in that way, I do get why like uh, Oscar Isaac's character is wrong. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, we're, we're, we keep telling these people that like, uh, you're not supposed to be here. What you're doing is wrong. Or it's like, why? When the alternative is someone dying in my stead. 
So um, I, I, I do find like the connection well, the- with Spot really interesting. I think we're going to see more of that connection and similarity in their characters in the third one. That's um, yeah, I think I didn't think about it that way. Um, Eric, Marvel I want to. Uh, well, I, I mean, Spidey I, I in the me, spot. I love me some Marvel team up. So. Yeah, I could see them going that way. I don't it, know. It, I don't know. I don't a, know how they're going to do it. But I mean, it's a, yeah. There's a great potential of just the realization that uh, yeah, we're actually not that different. Uh, oh yeah, I, I could see them like the same thing, except that you want to kill my dad. Miguel. Or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe you know, maybe it, towards the end of the third one, they'll both realize that their mother's names are Martha, and you know, <laughs> make sure well, that's that only, all... that that's only if it's going to be a truly great movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, your mother's is Martha. No, mine's Faye. I'm sorry. I'm going to let her yeah. die. Oh, that didn't really work out. Did it? <laughs> uh, what, what do you think, Eric, about uh, Spider-Man 2099, uh, Miguel O'Hara? Now I'm getting excited about the double Marthas. I got to admit, I can't. (laughs) We're gonna need a moment on that. Uh, He he was a a great character to bring into the mix because, Mm. and you're right, it it became a lot like Loki. Uh, And and I still am surprised they haven't utilized Yoki. I almost called him Yoki. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Yogi. Yo- <laughs> he's the Italian, the Italian Loki. He's Yoki, Yoki. I'm avoiding uh, the urge to say picnic baskets now, Christian. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but, but like Loki, hey, Spidey. <laughs> like Loki launched so much of this, and the only name check that they got was that one sort of throwaway moment at the end of um, of Ant Man. So yeah, I, it's funny. Part of me kept thinking maybe at some point some of the Loki folk would come over into this world. Like, even though I know it's Sony animation and they don't give a crap about Disney TV, but still it felt like they're towing the same line. And I think that's what makes 2099 such a great character is like, we get them. And I think partially because we've had Loki, we don't need much explanation. Weirdly enough, it was almost like a good on-ramp. It's like, yeah, Yeah. uh, we can't have this. And if this happens, like yet entire universes could implode. So, you know, sorry, not sorry. I've got to let your dad die. Sorry about that. You know, and I, and it makes a lot of sense. So, so even when like other spider folk begin to sort of turn to help miles, it, it, it does feel like, well, you realize like you guys all might together be screwing up the entire universe. You're going to be doing what, uh, what uh, star Lord did when he kept punching Thanos yeah. and, you yeah. know, we almost got this Peter. And then, he screwed it up for everyone. So yeah. that that's what's kind of great about 2099 is like, you're not exactly sure who to root for. And having Issa Rae as his uh, henchwoman is great because she's one of the coolest characters in this movie and doesn't feel like a bad guy at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's where uh, they've, they've made the decks really s- smartly aligned. Like you don't see where the villain is like in the wrong completely. And I think in some ways, maybe even one up Thanos because they're not bloodthirsty they're just trying right. to make sure they're trying to protect the universes i think uh we can all line up with that and our pal daniel drew in the chat refers to <laughs> yogi the prince of picnic baskets <laughs> so uh but yeah i uh, i think it, it's very interesting to think about where this is going uh you know how miles gets out of that predicament i thought that it was 
a really nice job of uh, of fooling at least me as a as a viewer when Gwen is outside what we think is the same room that Miles was in when he went back to, but then we realize she's in a different reality as him. It's it's uh, I, I compared it to that moment in Silence of the Lambs when the FBI is ready to raid the house. And then it turns mm. out just the little Clarice Starling by herself is the one who yep. got to Buffalo Bill's house and she didn't have any backup, <laughs> you know? So uh, it's just like, Oh no, he's in the wrong place. And just sort of the way that they ended that uh, I'm like, all right, but you know, electricity, invisible turn in spider power miles is, going to be a lot better than uh, you want to be Prowler Miles, but I still want to see that fight, you know? Yeah. So Unless Prowler Miles also has some power set that we don't know about. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, you know, maybe he wasn't bitten by a radioactive <laughs> spider, but uh, maybe there were cosmic rays or gamma rays. There's a lot of ways to get powers in uh, some of these. Uh, I just love the idea that, like, we've seen a bunch of different variations of Peter Parker and then a bunch of other spider men, women, people that are not peter parker um but then now also seeing another version of miles that's not something we've seen before let alone yeah. like a dark yeah. one like that's really yeah. cool to me. Did, did that, the mom that freak... stone cold killer too yeah <laughs> like, did mom yeah. freak out at the hair that that was my one question because well, she commented on yeah, she did She's she like, says oh, something you yeah. your also out. too okay he, thank you when he <laughs> scans in the computer a big a little thing pops up on the screen that says uh universe 42 or something or like yeah so i i was not surprised i thought everybody saw that i when i was reading online a lot of people were surprised and i was like oh i thought that that was, that was I, I was probably staring down into my uh, popcorn bucket just sad that it was almost gone <laughs> there's also who knows what else is on the screen that you were looking at too because if that, you if you blink true. you miss oh, like four i know and and, and that's why it all goes back to what katie said earlier i hope that uh, we're able to uh have like a blu-ray of this uh before the next one comes out i'm pretty sure they'll figure out a way to get it in our houses so that we can rewatch it but it's like i want to rewatch the movie i want to see it again in the theater but then, yeah, it's almost like I need to Zabruder film this and go frame by frame the whole movie. It might take a while, but <laughs> my, my wife was supposed to now. come with us and she got a nasty migraine. Oh, OK, so, so you even I, had an extra ticket that someone well, wasn't using. Yeah. Oh, you know, if I found a nice guy who was trying to convert me to a variety of religion. So I just gave it Ooh, to him. That's um, but you imagine trying <laughs> at least, to at least you brought somebody who was better company than me. So I, did you I pick one? I don't fault you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, are give you, me the whole you, buffet. Are I, you a yeah. Jehovah's Witness now? It's like one of these and one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So you were going to say, though, that uh, you apparently also don't like your wife either and didn't let her come. Is that what you're <laughs> I, I mean, I think that was the subtext I was going with. Yeah. yeah. Um, glad you saw it. Yeah. So, but the idea, if she saw this with a migraine, her head oh. might have exploded. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it. But I. But when we came back, we're basically like, you know, we're taking you to see this, and she was like, just like, grog it, like, just let me sleep. And but all of us, all all three of us, were like, almost like jumping on the bed, Lord of the Rings style, to be like, you have to go see this. So uh, at some point, whether she realizes it or not, she'll be joining me in an IMAX reading of this because I have to see it again. I want to see it big too before I. Yeah. The Bruda, as you've put it so nicely, Christian, yeah. like I want to actually get a sense of what it looks like in an even bigger screen and see if maybe I can catch more stuff that way, too. Do you mind inviting yeah. me to that? Not uh, at not all. Christian, but like. No, 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 no. no Christian, no. Nate no. as well, of course. Nate, and, yeah. and Nate, Katie, any of your friends as well awesome. or husbands. 
Yes, my main multiple husband. She, she, has, she has a few to choose from. Uh, Lewis Cox makes this point. Uh, they they say Earth 1999 is a bunch of nines. That's the MCU. But no one says Earth 616 at all. Uh, Earth 616 is the comic book one, and it has been referenced. I don't think it's referenced in this. But uh, every yeah, once in a while, they, we do get that. We did see a flash um, when Spot was kind of going. No, that movie story. comes out Friday. <laughs> nice. Uh, we we saw <laughs> we, we saw a brief moment of like within uh we saw like the spider with the forty two on it, and then we saw the yeah. different like tags of universes, and they had like Spider Noir's universe. They had um a, a couple of the different ones. So I'm I'm sure again as soon as I get this thing on like Blu-ray or something, I'll be able to be like, yeah, right there. Okay, that's where we reference it. I, I don't know. There's so much in this movie that like. The, their entire like character could have been 616 you know and i wouldn't have noticed uh just wanted to uh put this in here uh ivan soto saying miguel is also not someone to root for considering he replaced a dead man very creepy yeah i was i was getting real don draper vibes uh off of uh, miguel when uh, we sort of got that explanation uh, and uh uh it's funny because i my wife worked on Mad Men, and I think we didn't actually talk about that. No. Thank you. Thank you, Ivan. You've uh, given me uh, something for us to talk about over lunch. Uh, anyway, there is a lot more. It's their pillow talk. It, it kind of is. Uh, there's a lot more Spider-Man uh, talk to come. Uh, for right now, I want to give everybody a chance to uh, let you, the audience, know where you can be found. Uh, Nate, where can people keep in touch with you? Uh, you can find me uh, everywhere. At dog like Nate with two G's. Just I look around the corner. If you just, if you just were like, you can find me everywhere, and then you'd stop. No, you have to put my name in first. But yeah. then, if you turn the corner after you type my name in, then I'll be right there. The uh, the the dog like Nate verse uh, is where you can be found. There are <laughs> many of you there. Uh, there are many and, of us. <laughs> and uh, Katie, what about you? Where can you be found? You can always find me at at El Sassy Pants, E-L-S-A-S-S-Y-P-A-N-T-S. If you're in the Los Angeles area, I am now on a house team for the Pack Theater. So I will be performing um, twice a month, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock with Nothing Burger. Um, and more stuff to come. Very excited about the coming summer and different things to do. So, yeah. And uh, Mr. Connor, Mr. Connor, where can you be found? It's a great, uh, it's a very current reference I just made. Oh, I mean, listen, like <laughs> some some references age back up, so fifty year old reference, so, not a problem. So Epstein's it, mother, that's going to work too. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, me and <laughs> Horshack. You can find me and Horshack hanging out at Count Eric Connor, which is uh, Instagram and Twitter um, around the fringes of facebook with my middle name adam yes my real middle name and uh and and christian i do promise whenever i go see the transformers movie i will invite you which means we'll be watching it in my house at 2 a.m some night when i've had (laughs) one or two drinks too many so i'll I'll call you up i'm seeing it tomorrow at 10 a.m because uh i have i've got that amca list i might as well use it you know what i'm saying yeah Uh, but you like yourself i thought christian (laughs) How long have you known me? Whatever gave you the impression that I liked myself, that I even <laughs> moderately appreciated any facet of my own personality. Very excited to talk today about Across the Spider-Verse, also known as Spider-Verse 2, Electric Boogaloo. As always, I am Christian Blatt. 
also host of Geekscape Book Club on Geekscape. And a past guest on Geekscape Book Club is our friend Jordan Bloom, who was a showrunner for MODOK, uh, co-creator of Minor Threats, which uh, make sure that uh, you get a chance to tell people about some fun events coming up for Minor Threats. And uh, Community, American Dad, and if I've left anything off, uh, I apologize. But uh, I think... Good enough. Well, this is a Marvel podcast, so I've also written uh, X-Men and Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse specifically stuff. Right. And, and, and uh, uh, the Venom thing coming out. We're doing Venomverse. The, everything's getting a verse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also with us is our, our friend Jeff Duray. Uh, Jeff Duray, I'm looking in your notes your big uh, credit is Jeff Duray of the Black Cast, um, and I believe that is hosted by a very talented and handsome host named Christian Blatt, unless True. I'm mistaken. I'm also okay, pitching I'll... Spy vs. Spy vs. <laughs> the Spy vs. Spy vs. Mad, well, the let, mad shared universe. Let, <laughs> let me just add on to that: the Spy vs. Spy vs. Spy vs. Which that was the the female spy that also fought mm-hmm. both the white spy and the black spy. So we've we've already we've done it. I think we've basically <laughs> created the whole Spy vs. Spy vs. Uh, Jordan, it's a good place to start because your uh, Spider Verse story, uh, you you uh, got to create some characters who weren't in this movie, but we have another one coming, right? Uh, I assume they're holding Pete Spider-Man, the Spider-Man yeah. uh, from my comic for the next one. I just, I have to assume so. Yeah, well, I think Peter Parked Carr took his moment in the movie. And uh, as <laughs> yeah. as someone who was always baffled by the fact that the Spider-Mobile existed, uh, I was glad I got a shout out. Uh, you know, that was before my time in reading comics, but I remember reading in back issues. I think they had the spider mobile for like, I don't know, six months. And then it, uh, you know, promptly got crashed into the East river. Uh, but I want to talk big picture on spider verse, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan, uh, let's just talk about, obviously it's very easy to remember just, just five short years ago. The first spider verse was amazing. It was groundbreaking in so many ways. The bar was set very high. For me personally, this is one of those times where the high bar didn't result in being uh, let down. What were your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse? 100% it delivered on all fronts. And I think, um, you know, visually, it just pushed animation forward in a way we've never seen before. Um, The story was fantastic. Uh, You know, for me, I think I connected maybe emotionally more to the first one. And then this one felt like you know it actually felt like it felt like the back of the future too to i mean there's even plot points that are very similar to back to the future too but as far as kind of um doubling down on the first movie and pushing it further um and it being a bigger adventure and romp that's uh, you know definitely reminded me of of back to the future too so um yeah i mean uh it gave me everything i wanted i love the the focus being on gwen just as much as miles um you know, I have my own little tiny Spider-Man nitpicks, but on a whole, like it's a near perfect movie. I would say the third best Spider-Man movie. Um, well, obviously, number one would be Spider-Man three, the one with uh, with uh, Topher Grace's Venom. Right. That, that's kind of a given. Uh, <laughs> not, and, look, uh, not as bad as people remember it. To be. No, uh, I, if you I, re- it, I rewatched it at one point and there was a lot of things that yeah. I didn't like, I, I, but there there are some sequences that I think worked really well. Um, what about you, Jeff? Uh, your thoughts, you know, your expectations going in and then your thoughts after you actually saw Spider-Verse. Uh, 
across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse, yeah. I mean, obviously, I loved the first one. I think everybody did. I don't know anybody who didn't like it. And so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'll just interject. You and I do a show with someone who kind of doesn't like anything. Even he liked it. So, yeah, yeah, that's how you know. (laughs) I think the first one holds a special place for me, at least, because it was so unexpectedly good. Like, you expected to enjoy it. I expected, like, that this would be interesting. But just remember being blown away because of how many original, interesting ideas that they had in that movie that just made it really, like, stick with you. I think it's awesome that, like um, uh, Jordan said, they kind of doubled down on some of those things. Like the art direction in this movie is just unbelievable. Just the subtle things that they do with color or even just like the styles of art in the universes to express the emotions that people are going through. I think it's like really, really well done, really creative. The story was really interesting. Um, I think if there's a knock, which I don't think is a knock at all, it's that this feels less like your downbeat for the two parters, right? Like a lot of times when you have these two parts, like uh, endings of the trilogy, the, the ending of the, the second movie feels like an ending more so like feels like a, okay, we're going to take a little time before we come back to this. This felt more like we're in the middle of something. And then we had to end it because like, it was just going to go on too long. So just from a story structure, it felt less like a cliffhanger, but at the same time, it's just like, I guess it just makes me feel like the story's incomplete, which it intentionally is. So it's harder to judge it in that way. But otherwise it's just like he said, near perfect movie. Really, really. Yeah. That was, that was the same feeling I had was that it's, I feel like when we've had part three and I can kind of look at where it all went, it's easier to look at, not to say that, you know, there's anything wrong with this, but there was that feeling because I knew there was a follow-up. I just didn't realize this was like a cliffhanger, cliffhanger kind of ending, but Mm-hmm. It, you have to appreciate it because it's a very comic booky ending because mm-hmm. you know uh even your big comic book events usually there's like oh yeah but now it's going to get even worse <laughs> you know like the last like two pages something crazy comes out you know so i think that uh it, it was fun and yeah that there's the comparison that you know it's funny jordan that you mentioned back to the future too because i i always was like oh no, this is really just, that never felt like an ending. And I, I sort of like the third one more. Uh, my, my, my hot take that as a child, I, I stick with it. I love Return of the Jedi because it's the ending. Um, and I, I'm still the seven-year-old that saw it uh, in the theater for the first time. But uh, I, I, have, I have no complaints about this other than why does it have to be nine more months? You know, why, why couldn't it have been like next month that it comes out uh, just because I want to see where it goes, but I think they did a great job setting it up and uh, they give us plenty of time to rewatch it. Uh, talk a little bit about from a, a story standpoint, Jordan, obviously you do run a risk by giving people an ending like that, but I, I don't, I don't think they missed the mark at all. I think giving us this, Oh no, what's going to happen next is actually a great thing. Yeah, because I completely forgot they had split it into two movies. Yes, so when we got exactly. there, and we're, we're getting towards the end. I was like, "How are they going to wrap this up soon?" Like, <laughs> there seems like a lot building. Um, so I was like, "Oh, good. There's more. They can take their time. They can explore it because there's so much kind of crammed into this movie." And I think I some people have said it as a complaint that it's a maximalist movie, but I think that's one of its strengths is that these guys are so good at 
cramming in visuals and layering visuals and dialogue and people are talking over each other that it's an incredibly rewarding rewatch but i was never confused of where to look or what to follow um even in these kind of busier frames and and big action moments so i think that's like incredible direction for that to to come across when you have such a rich layered movie um but i think you know it definitely is more of the downbeat right uh empire strikes back you know we're ending in a really bad place for miles um but uh yeah i mean i don't know to me it was more the characters and the moments and the worlds like uh going to um uh the uh what was it mumbatton was that what they were what mm-hmm. it's called yeah. uh like i could have done a whole movie there spider punk i could have gone off and watched him every tiny moment with gwen and her dad and the dripping colors and the changing colors of that world like you just wanted to live in it like every scene um so that's a very hard thing to pull off i think it is a very busy script in the best way they're servicing a ton of characters they're introducing people like spider-man 2099 and all these other new characters um but they don't lose sight of of the emotional stakes and um you know very clearly kind of introduce uh all these other new spider-men so i don't know it's it's one of those things where you sit back and you're like i don't know how anyone writes or directs this but it's i can't believe it worked and it's incredible yeah i mean to keep the continuity for all the different spider people that pop in and uh along with that theme we're now uh having a fourth join our fourth musketeer is joining us here in our multiverse in our spider verse uh caitlin cornell caitlin thank you uh for joining us here and uh let's uh let's throw it right at you let's talk about sort of the the big overall thoughts of this movie the way that, uh, you know, it kind of hits us right up until the point that uh, it ends. And it's like, well, you're gonna have to come back in nine months. Uh, Share your thoughts with us. I think this is one of the smartest movies I've seen in a very long time. It's a movie that knew exactly what it wanted to do. Uh, It's a movie that was able to be creative and take what they had started with Into the Spider-Verse and turn it up in a way that was not just we're giving you fan service and we're giving you shiny keys to look at everything made sense and everything had a purpose within the narrative and within the story and within what made Spider-Man so meaningful to so many people throughout his iterations. Um, I like that Spider-Man's sense of humor and his quippy witticism was still consistent throughout all the characters, even in, even 2099. Um, even though he was probably the most serious one, he still had, I still laughed at what he was saying and how Oscar Isaac was um, directed. And I thought the vocal, this is going to sound weird. The vocal layering was interesting. Like there was always somebody like in the background talking and you're just like, wait, what do they say? <laughs> like though? And it all, it, it was, it was Love very, that. the amount of work they put into the visuals. They're like, we're going to put just as much into the sound. Um, whether it's the audio track, whether it's the sound effects, whether it's the music. Um, I thought it was a very well done film. And I thought that the, I, I hope we're going to talk about the villain switch later. Cause we need to talk about the villain switch. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause what you're talking about, obviously, you know, you can make a great big movie like this and utilize the Dolby surround sound and you can really kind of do that. And so this movie, as you said, does that. And of course, like, 
yes, you know, like you said before, Jordan, you know where to focus your eyes on, but on subsequent watchings, you're like, Oh, look at all this other stuff that I didn't get to look at. I mean, we were talking about this uh, last week or the last time. And it's just like, if there's ever a movie to be excited to, you know, get that Blu-ray at home and actually it's, it's almost like you want to watch it frame by frame because there's uh, pause so and much pause to look and pause. at. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts to follow up on that idea about uh, the you know, sort of the, the way that it endings, it, it ends, but also just sort of what it delivers in that, uh, what is it? Two hours and 20 minutes of, of runtime. You know, I, I had started to have that same feeling Jordan did that. I was like, I wonder if it's going to be hard to uh, wrap up, but the movie kept me interested the whole time. I didn't have a great sense for how much time was left. And then I was like, got to start winding it up at some point, don't they? What did you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It sounds like uh, at least the three of us had the same thought. I don't know if you had one that it too, where I was just remember hitting a point in the movie being like, I have no idea what time it is, like how far into this movie I am. I don't know. Like, are we close to the end? Are we in the middle? Like I, I just, I had no real sense of time and I didn't, I didn't think it was like a pacing issue. It just felt like you don't have that, you know, normal, like, all right, we're going up the roller coaster, getting ready. And all right. And here's the end. Cause it was really just like, Oh no, we're just in the middle of this. We're just going to keep going and going. It feels like reading a book where it's just like, you don't have like the really obvious uh, pacing that you do in a movie. Like you're like, all right, you got about 20 minutes to get us to the climax. Let's go. <laughs> um, what was the other question you had? Well, just sort of, uh, you know, it, it, kind of anything really in terms of the the different, you know, the, we're talking about the audio layers, but the visual layers, there's just, there's so much to look at. There's so much to listen to, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it is really just one of those movies that you just soak in with all your senses Yeah, and, you know, and, and knowing how much you like popcorn taste being one of those uh, <laughs> senses that uh, you were able to soak it in. So definitely. I think it's, it's, uh, I think Jordan said this before that it's, it's a movie that's infinitely rewatchable right like each time you watch it you could take away more things more little side notes you missed or or like a dialogue box you didn't quite pick up on um i think one of the things that that uh, i just remembered that made no sense to me is i don't understand why they changed his dad's name from the first movie so oh. in, yeah his dad's name in the first movie is jefferson davis jefferson. which is his normal dad's name and in this movie it was jeff morales so oh. that just didn't really make any sense to me. I never understood why they felt the need to change his name in this movie. And there was another part that this just reminded me that made no sense where when they're having that rooftop party, they, it seemed like maybe through the process of editing, they, it got really kind of fucked up there. Cause it's like the party's happening. Then he's out of the party. Then he's off all around the city. Then he's just hanging out with Glenn, Gwen alone under the thing. Then the party's still happening and his parents are there. Then the party's not happening and Gwen leaves. And then the party's still happening in the background when he's talking to his parents. It was like, I don't know if they were trying to like change angles, but I just remember being oh. like really confused as to like what the timing of all that was meant to be. I, I feel like it was the same moment. I've, I've seen it three times already and, it, and you can still hear the party happening in the background when he and Gwen are underneath the little thingy thing. They just show but, it empty. They uh, show the rooftop. Empty. That's interesting. Do so, they? Well, the, wait, steal, wait, they, wait, they're wait, stealing wait. food. There's, but right, so that that's what I'm saying. And like so they're he, having a party, and so the parents are like looking, going, like, I bet she doesn't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Is that and the then, section you're talking about? Where it's well, so then they go over to talk to him, and then when they're talking with him and the parents, 
like the view that you can see of the rest of the roof is like empty from that angle. It could have just been that like they were, it was a weird angle and I got yeah. confused and like the spatial reasoning was like confusing me, but it just, I remember watching that and being like, what's happening here? Like, why well, are people yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch it again I, to take that part in, yeah. but the Jefferson Davis part is pretty easy. I feel like it's kind of like how in the last season of I Love Lucy, all of a sudden Ricky Ricardo was Dominican. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't Cuban anymore just because the world changed. <laughs> and maybe they were just like, you know what? We don't need the president of the Confederacy. Uh, you know, maybe you that's mess, a note. You mess with the multiverse long enough. There's going to be changes. Yeah. 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 It's a great point. Yeah. You know, you, you mess around enough. Uh, all of a sudden you, you wake up one yeah. day and your name's something different. Uh, but if you want Jeff, instead of calling you Jeff Duray, I'll call you Jefferson Duray from here Please. on in. So <laughs> I, I think that would work. Um, I do well, want to talk about you. Know, the... picking... Go ahead. Go ahead say, if we're picking nits a little bit um, again, love the movie. These are only minor little things that, you know, are more my weird Spider-Man stuff and less like everything in the narrative makes sense for the movie kind of thing. That's my preface here. But I found it weird that Captain Stacy became such an important part of this, that everyone has a captain kind of thing because Gwen Stacy's death is the big thing in Spider-Man, not yeah. Captain Stacy's death. Yeah. But obviously when you have Spider-Gwen, you had a, change that so i understand why they did that but my spider-man fan brain's like this doesn't ring true to me like when the captain stacy's death means nothing kind of in the comics it's it's kind of a throwaway story uh it's not a big canon moment you know for the characters um but i get why they they changed that and i also had a hard time buying peter going along with the plan letting people die like that's so antithetical to peter parker who is like i'll save everyone and i don't care and there's always a way but this is miles movie and miles should have that part so i totally understand why they changed that but it rubbed me a little the wrong way as a peter fan a comic book peter well yeah fan. that that doesn't feel like you know it, yeah. you'd feel like at least a few of the peters and the one that would probably be the most likely would be peter b parker he seems to be the one that's most like the peter that you know we would all know you know from the comics uh but you know and i think we start to see at least the those twinges of that uh towards the end of the movie but i, I agree with you it's not consistent with peter parker to think that he'd be like well if you say it's for the greater good i guess people gotta die you know it, it's a, kind of like yeah. the opposite of Unless the way you think it's like a made like having a daughter changes your perspective a little bit maybe too you know? well i don't know i have a daughter and uh i i don't i don't want any spider-men to die i want them all to live uh forever uh the uh topic of the the villain came up earlier and uh for our visual audience uh you can see uh the image from i believe this is uh, peter parker the spectacular spider-man uh number 97 uh which he the spot was uh like the first year i was reading comic books he was a new character and i thought he was kind of cool he is sort of goofy and I think that they did something great with that. And they really kind of turned into the fact that miles dismisses him and he's like, Oh, I'll show you. And boy, he really does uh, kind of show us uh, what he's capable of. Uh, Kate, that seemed to be something that uh, caught you upon three viewing. So why don't we start that with spot? So good. Also, thank you. Google figured out that Jefferson Davis, Jefferson Morales thing. Oh, okay. Well, what did Google say? Google I, I says hope that this is a real answer and not a not an AI answer. 
Well, it's uh, it's from uh, Comic Basics, and uh, they changed the name um, from uh, they they're treating it in the comics like Miles Morales took his mother's name. Um, oh, okay. And so they adjusted around the fan backlash because they were trying to connect Jefferson Jeff Davis to Aaron Davis. So in 2019, they had Jeff Morales take his wife's surname instead of keeping his own. So the movie reflected that change. Okay. Well, so it's a change that happened in the comics. I appreciated being able to make my, uh, my Ricky Ricardo footnote all the same. So, uh, but let's, let's talk spot. Let's talk spot. Um, one Jason Schwartzman is a treasure and he must be protected at all costs. Um, <laughs> I also love the fact that I think one of the, an- the animator that pitched um, when in, into the spider verse, when he gets a bagel thrown at him and it just says bagel. I love that that has now become like the origin story for like the scariest villain in Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it wasn't, he's like, that would be funny. And he just did it. Um, I like the idea of the underdog villain. And normally in, in like basic ass screenwriting, there's like five pieces. Like there's the protagonist, the love interest, the sidekick, the, the villain and the obstacle. The thing that keeps getting in the way of the protagonist defeating the villain, whether it's a thematic villain or a real life one. And this is the first movie I've seen. Please tell me if there are other ones because I thought this was a really interesting switch of we've gone through this process with spot of him becoming the main villain and uh, 2099 being the obstacle to him saving his father from spot and the kind of rise of this villain that he wasn't an, he wasn't an overpowered villain when he started. They're both rising kind of together at, at, you know, in an exponential rate. But this is the first time I've seen a movie where by the end of the film, the obstacle and the villain have switched places. So now like 2099 and the idea of canon and the idea of story, the actual story of Spider-Man being the villain is now the main, the main villain. And the obstacle is going to be spot. Like it's going to be like, they're constantly going to be getting in each other's way in order to make the story happen or not happen. So it's an interesting way to look at it. It's almost like spot is the foregone conclusion. Like, yeah, they'll figure it out, but how is he going to take on, you know, thousands of spider people or at least five or the Uh, idea of your own. Can you change your own story and a bunch of people saying you can't because this is what makes us who we are. Um, Right. Spot's story also kind of mimics Miles in a lot of way from the first oh, yeah. one, where it's like Miles is clumsy, he trips over a shoe, and that's how he breaks the goober and the this, where Spot kicks himself in the butt, and that's how he figures out he can travel dimensions. So it's like, in a lot of way, this was his rise to power, yeah. like the first one's Miles is. Yeah, Jordan, give us your thoughts on how they were able to kind of do what Kate's talking about. One, you take a very slight character and without him, you know, like saying, you know, merging with Venom or something, you know, so there's not that reason that all of a sudden he becomes this big. He basically powers himself up and he rises to sort of the this like ultimate threat that impacts the entire Spider-Verse. I love that. I think it's like a Marvel universe thing where every day, you know, you see a lot of normal everyday people get superpowers, become heroes. And this is again, you know, an underdog normal person with this insane cosmic level uh, power that he doesn't quite understand. And then once he 
figures it out, driven, like you said, the same kind of motivation of miles. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to prove myself. Everyone underestimates me. You know, here's my shot that he powers up. And then he's kind of, I like that we don't really get much of him towards the end of the movie. He's kind of this gun on the shelf that we're going to see come back later, you know? And like you said, this one is more about, um, you know, it's all about miles wanting to be part of something, want to be part of this group, want to be part of this team. And then that rejection specifically by, you know, Spider-Man 2099 saying, you know, you can never be a part of this. That's what this movie's about. And I think that's yeah. where the, the focus shift happens that, you know, this is about miles going, I don't need to be a part of a group, even though that's all he's been waiting for is to find his people, get out in the world, you know, uh, figure out who he is. And he thinks who he is, is part of this spider team only to find out that they don't want him and he's this anomaly and all the people he trusted, he can't trust. Uh, they were, you know, working behind his back, even the characters we really like. So I think it's a really nice arc where you set the spot off on a similar kind of villainous arc that mirrors Miles, but Miles gets to have his with Spider-Man 29 in this film. But um, look, I love, you know me, I love D-list villains. Spider-Man has some of the best. Uh, and it was also really refreshing to to kind of dip into that catalog because usually you only get Sinister Six level villains in Spider-Man movies. And yeah. here we get some of the, you know, goofier ones. And I love those characters. So I was really excited to see. Yeah, occasionally you like a visit from Pace Pot Pete, you know, and uh, obviously your show Modoc featured one of my favorite D-list villains, Armadillo from like. The oh, my God, days. that's right. And the, this the early. Too. And what's that? He was in Spider Verse too. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Where he stopped. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh. my favorite. I talked about this uh, in an earlier conversation, but uh, was one of those isolated characters was Video Man, who's from I think the first episode of Spider Man and His Amazing Friends. Electro creates this character, That's so it's right. like. It's such like a very, very slight, very inside. They're not afraid to do that. There's the really obvious ones. Like we get Spider-Man 67 swinging in there and we right. have footage of, yeah. uh, 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 of both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, you know, and we're getting so many, but I love that there's times for uh, some of the other ones. What were you going to say, Jeff? Uh, just realizing from what Jordan was saying that there's kind of an inversion again from the first movie of Miles. In the beginning of the first movie, he's constantly feeling like an outsider, like he feels accepted in Brooklyn, but he doesn't feel accepted in Visions and he's having problems in the community, right? He's like almost getting hit by the taxi. And then by the end, it's like, hey, what's up, Spider-Man? Oh, we're all friends. We love you. So it's like that. It's that acceptance. He wanted it and he got it. And now he wants it again, but realizing he doesn't need it. So it's kind of flipping that from the first film is it acceptance or is it validation that he is a good enough spider-man to be part of a team so by him saying no i'm gonna do my own thing it's i don't need your validation of if i'm spider-man or not could be it's a mixture of both yeah because he's you know if you're looking at just the structure of this film right he's talking about leaving home and he's missing gwen and he's he's upset that no one's come to visit him right so when he learns about this team his goal is to get on it and that's the goal halfway through the movie right and then he finally you know i want to get to uh this this place you all you know uh function as a team and, and join and then it it turns into the nightmare right it's the it's the fake goal he gets there and it's not right. what he thought and literally everyone who he trusted has been in on this kind of conspiracy to keep him out and 
you know, it's, it's that moment of betrayal where he goes, no, I'm going to do things my way, you know? And I think it's that refusal of the goal, right? That, that initial goal that he's grown into a different character that sends him on, you know, to the rest of the movie and then into the, into the final one as well. So I think that's a really well-structured kind of uh, idea of that being Miles' goal from kind of minute one to about halfway through the movie until he, he finds, he has that kind of fight with Spider-Man 2099 and, kind of really yeah. discovers because that's going to be final i mean that's going to be boss fight honestly is going to be because because the thing is like by the end of this movie we kind of know everything we need to know about spot like it like in actuality we know his origin story we know his motivations we know what he wants and like by the end of the movie the second we hit spider society i'm like there's going to be a third movie <laughs> like yeah. i'm like this movie's too long yeah. now <laughs> and um and then the how how much mystery is surrounding uh, the motivations of Miguel O'Hara, who I think was expertly played by um, Oscar Isaac. It's really hard to get that balance and well-written and well-directed. And it's hard to get that balance between like still Spider-Man humor, still amusing, still stoic, but like very much like there's a guarded aspect to him and the need to be in charge and the need to have things under control um, and what his motivations are as a because co- a complete mystery. Cause he technically didn't cause a, you know, prevent a canon event. He took someone else's like universe. <laughs> like, like that is, a, that's incredible. So he's like, he's not completely telling the truth. Yeah. that I was thinking about this, uh, the, the first time we were talking about it. And I realized that obviously, you know, Miguel Harris, Spider-Man 2099, he's the Don Draper of Spider-Man. He literally, it's Oh the same my story. God. He sneaks in and he's like, well, this is me now. And I think it's interesting yeah, because slow, the slow he, yeah, he, he's the guy who, you know, steals basically a Spider-Man's life. And this idea that miles, I think it's great for the character. It really builds him up as so unique. Is like, look, there's all these hundreds, thousands of universes. You're the only, this is the only one where you're Spider-Man because you're not supposed to be Spider-Man. And I think it works so well because this is a character who, this isn't just another Peter Parker. If you had a Peter Parker that wasn't supposed to be Spider-Man, yeah, sure, you can tell that story. But it's like, well, this is a different kid. And nowhere else, this kid mm-hmm. exists in other ones, obviously, as we'll talk about as we see towards the end. So I think just making him that much more of an outsider. Um, I wanted to ask your thoughts on that, Jeff, because you you were in early on uh, on Miles Morales. I, I was definitely an old guard dragging my feet. I loved me some Peter Parker and I still do. But, uh, you know, the first Spider-Verse movie I, I've said before really was the great way to get, you know, people who already love Miles and then the the old, you know, the old get off my lawn guys like me who are like, yeah, but Peter Parker, Spider-Man's like, yeah, but so is Miles. I'm like, OK, yeah, you're right. But what did you think about the way that it's really Miles versus yeah. the universe in this, Jeff? Jefferson, well, I, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I think it's interesting because it's like you can't say that Miles isn't meant to be Spider-Man. Just that Miles wasn't the other Earth or 42 miles is supposed to be Spider-Man. Right. And because he didn't become Spider-Man, he became the Prowler. So I think that's obviously like an interesting, I, th- I think exploring that, like what outside of just not getting special powers, but like, is the inflection point that his dad's gone is the inflection point that when he lost his dad, there was nothing he could do about it. So he just broke bad. Like what, 
what makes that spider or what makes miles that is the prowler at the end of the movie the prowler like what motivate him to want to do that because if he's the prowler then obviously he's not just following in his uncle's footsteps because his uncle would be the prowler and he'd be like prowler jr or something (laughs) (laughs) Um, captain caveman and son (laughs) uh i think i mean i love the miles morales spider-man i think it's great that it's like i mean spider-man has been around long enough that it's i I think it's it's i don't understand why they would uh distance him from aaron davis that doesn't make any sense to me but i don't make those decisions because i i loved the fact that it was like this spider-man was so much more of like of our generation he had unmarried parents he took his mom's name he's just like a totally different kid with totally different motivations. And that's what made him so interesting because it didn't have to just be parallel universe Spider-Man. It was like, hey, this is somebody who could be influenced by a Spider-Man. So like, what would Spider-Man mean to other people who need that empowerment? Um, and that's what I, I always thought of Miles as, at least in like the early stories where Spider-Man's still alive with him. <laughs> Um, Jordan, I'm not sure. Have have you written Miles stories, or have you mostly written uh, Peter stories? Because I'm wondering if you I wrote have... one. Okay. Yeah, I wrote one Miles thing. It was for the uh, Spider Bots kind of kid stories I was doing for the the app. But I got right. to write him, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at my own kids. I have two boys, and Miles is their Spider Man, and I love that. Like, I love that. Um, everyone can have their Spider-Man and also like maybe Miles will be the prime Spider-Man and you sunset Peter in the future. And like, that's fine too. I'm, I'm a huge Wally West fan and I don't care for Barry Allen, but I know a lot of people like Barry oh, Allen. Do, so I think, do we, do we have a friend we should introduce you to? <laughs> oh God. Our, our friend, our friend Will Sterling talks all the time about oh, how God. much he doesn't like, uh, Barry Allen and, uh, you know, uh, real life issues with, uh, with an actor, uh, gave DC an opportunity to just bring Wally in. But anyway, that's a conversation for another yeah. time. Uh, I think you're right. So, and by the way, just to add in, I have uh, I have a son and a daughter and my daughter has her Spidey too. As I've talked about, she's five. So she loves the, the mm-hmm. Disney Junior show, Spidey and his amazing friends. Yep. And Ghosty, Ghost Spider, she calls her Ghosty. Uh, that, well, they call her Ghosty on the show. So that's like, you know, so you have... You get to have like everybody gets to have a Spider-Man, and maybe that's the point of this movie. Because even a horse, even Mister Ed, can be like, "Oh, look, there's a, there's one for me." Peter uh, Parker. But, mm-hmm. but my question was, do you? And you know, you you said you wrote one thing. Do you feel like writing Miles is a lot different from writing Peter? It seems like fundamentally there are a lot of things in common. Like their heart is kind of in the same place. But what do you think might be the the biggest difference between the two of them? Obviously despite their physical appearance. Well, I think Miles being younger, the family is a much bigger presence. Like I always found as Peter gets older, it's a little hard to be like, ah, Aunt May, I'm going to let Aunt May down again. Like, well, you're, you know, you're in your thirties. You should have a life outside of (laughs) him. Well, that's true. In the the mid eighties, it was a major plot point that Aunt May didn't like that. He dropped out of grad school and it was like, all right, but it's grad school. You know, you're like 27. It's okay. You know what, Peter, make your own choices. Don't worry about yeah. MA. But um, I, <laughs> I feel I love, um, you know, the this Miles is also very tied to his community, which I think is really neat. And I think a lot of the stories come out of that. Um, you know, him being the Spider-Man of Brooklyn is so fun. Um, and yeah, you know, I think 
what the biggest difference is he has this he's a legacy character you know even though he's carving out his own destiny and that's what this movie's about right is is feeling the weight of legacy of other spider-men and am i good enough am i going to live up to that and peter never had that so i think that's a fundamental difference uh which is you know similar to wally west and barry where you have you know this godlike you know hero who's who's already done this and you're aware of him and you're trying to do it and the more you try to be like this 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 other spider-man the more you're going to fail until you do things your way and you carve out your own your own destiny so i think that's the fun of miles is a little bit of that burden and that arc of of learning to be your own hero right uh kate give us your thoughts about sort of their you know obviously similarities between peter and miles but uh you know some of the very distinct differences from miles that we see you know in both of these movies and one day all three of these movies I mean, I guess it depends on which Peter we're talking about. Yeah, I'm thinking of like sort of our classic impression of Peter. Yeah, like think of of even Tom Tom Holland, you know, comic book Peter, you know, the way we think Here's the weird thing is I don't, I think that especially the first movie and a little bit in Pav, um, they were kind of making fun of the Marvelized, the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Peter Parker. Um. And not like making fun of, but just like this idea of this like almost OP Spider-Man. Like he's he's like he's got everything under control. He's like smart. He's witty. He's got it going on. He's got the girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's got it all on lockdown. And I think what we liked about like Toby Maguire's version of Spider-Man is that he didn't have it all together. And then we kind of liked the overcorrection in the Andrew Garfield of like, yeah, but he's like still a ladies man. And he still is very funny and he's very witty. And so Tom Holland was able to kind of balance the two of them together, but it took three, well, in reality, like five movies for him to lose Aunt May and have yeah. that like kind of like sense of, of that, that loss that we know of and sacrifice that we know of from Spider-Man. Um, I think the difference between, Peter Parker, as we know Peter Parker as a character, um, and just putting up Miles Morales against the other Peter Parkers in the Spider Verse, is that there is a sense of loss and sacrifice that comes with that character and keeps it moving forward. And there's almost a weight that gets added to Peter Parker, um, and Miles doesn't feel. I'm not going to say he doesn't feel that way, but the weight is expected. It's almost like because he's of how he's grown up and how he was raised and how family oriented he is and where he comes from. It's like, yeah, you pick it up and you can do both. Like you can do whatever, like you just keep, you keep going because you kind of have to. And there's this kind of creative aspect of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just figure it out. I can do, I can do both. Um, I can be Spider-Man. You know what you made? Keep going. I was going to say, you know, you made me just think of you saying that is that Peter is closer to, let's say, Bruce Wayne, right? There's a tragedy yeah. that drives him that makes him be a hero. And Miles is much closer to Superman in that he just had really yeah. good parents who, yeah, a good kid who's going to do the right thing. That's what you just made me think of. So I think you unlocked it completely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something of, why i'm not actually sure i want to double check that but if i trust you who have who have read the miles morales canon 
that the that Earth 42 Miles Morales was supposed to be Spider-Man in that universe because I think what that showed at the end was if you don't have a hero to look up to and if you're not given that opportunity and you're not given the support either at home or in your community um you could either become a Spider-Man or you could become a Prowler that Miles Morales can become the villain or the hero and Miles as a as a uh um, what is that word that I'm looking for? That metaphor for for all kids of that generation of our gen- of the the younger generation behind us. Of you can be the hero, or the villain, depending on how much support you get and how much love and care and nurturing you you actually have, how much opportunity you're able to have, how many heroes you're able to actually talk to, um, how who can you who you can look up to and who you can get in contact with. Um, so I think yeah, that was I mean, the important part the, of that story. Look at look at the difference between uh, you know Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch when their yeah. dad is the guy who's literally in charge of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They they're, they're not good eggs, but uh, then they start getting hugs and people telling them nice things, and now then they're like you know two of the most beloved Avengers at least in the comics. So yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of uh, exploration of uh, Spidey nature versus nurture. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure that I ask everybody is we've kind of touched on some of the great spider people, spider characters that we got. Was there a favorite for each of you? And it was it anybody that surprised you for me, it was definitely the, the Indian Spider-Man, you know, Mumbatton. That was I'll just like, them. yeah, just give me, get, yeah. Give me a, a well, it wouldn't be Disney plus cause it's Sony, but whatever, give me a standalone movie or a mini series of that. Uh, Jordan, I'll ask you first. Was there anybody that you were like, uh, you, you might have even said it earlier, but uh, is there somebody that stands far above everyone else? Of like, this is the character I most want to see more of. You know, I'd love st- solo stories. Well, I think Spider Punk stole it, but I I yeah. loved um, uh, Scarlet uh, emo Scarlet Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> Scarlet Spider, not Spider Man, Andy uh, Sandberg, and he looked like a Tom yeah. Lyle drawing uh, right out of the comic. So Ben O'Reilly was it Ben O'Reilly? Just yeah. Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Oh, Riley. Yeah. yeah, I think uh I think uh Andy Samberg. Look, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Ben Riley character, I've said before, but uh they've definitely put him, put a very specific stink on him, and now he's kind of never gonna have a chance. But <laughs> I, it was really funny and I, I did really like it. And uh yeah, I could see uh Andy Samberg uh, working his way through that. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Uh, is there uh, was there one that really stood out as as it doesn't necessarily have to be a Spider-Man, but was there a character that really surprised you in this movie that uh, you know really kind of stood out? I don't know if one stood out or surprised me, but the one that immediately jumped to mind when you asked the question was the T-Rex Spider-Man with the <laughs> T-Whip. I, yeah. I loved that the the little when he did it, the thwip and it was T-Whip. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely. so quick. It's a blink and you miss it. What uh, What about you, Kate? Is there is there an ultimate uh, favorite? Uh, although ultimate universe is something totally different. But was there one that really stood out for you uh, amongst this that uh, we got to spend time with that uh, you'd love to revisit given more chance? I mean, honestly, okay. This is just I'm a little torn because I would love the side story of Spider Punk capturing Donald Glover love that (laughs) just Uh, because i want it but also i would love to spend i love the idea spider punk was an interesting addition to this tale 
Um, one, he was uh, he was animated at different frame rates, so his body is not actually animated in the same pace as everybody else. Even like different parts of him, especially his jacket, you can see keeps changing, which is really great. Um, and then the more he gets in tune with everybody else, the more it like kind of starts to sync up. Um, and I have a theory that it wasn't when he mentions like I got to look after my drummer that it's not Spider Gwen he's talking about that it's Miles. Because the second that Miles is like, I'm out of here. Because he, I've never had this experience in a theater. Because I've had people like clap in a theater. But when the first thing he says to Miles is you have to like you have to use your whole palm. Yeah. And then he gets trapped in that thing. I was there like Thursday opening night IMAX. I have never seen like there was like four rows of people and they all just went like this. Like they all <laughs> just put their hands up. Nice. They're just like, use your palm. Use your palm. And like, I think like. <laughs> Knowing that, like, he, the second, like, Miles started running and Spider-Punk is like, I'm out, peace, done, got it, saved him, he's fine. <laughs> um, but I also secretly, because I love cats, I want Spider-Cat. I want a Spider-Cat <laughs> spinoff, so. Yeah. We're just being stupid. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I definitely feel that uh, I'm glad we got to see that it'll be in the next one, but uh, I've always been a big uh, spider ham fan. And uh, I Yay! thought that, uh, that, uh, you know, Mulaney did a great job in the first one, but we're going to get him back. But and that was it, back too. Nick Cage. Is yeah. Back? Right. Nick, yeah. Nick Cage. Yeah. Will be back. That was the thing that surprised me the most about the first one was the fact that we actually got spider ham and uh, it'll be interesting to see what else we might get. Uh, in the next one, um, maybe we'll actually maybe they're saving Tom Holland for some reason. Maybe we will see him. Um, what did you what, think about? Wait, pause. Time out. Sure. What did you guys think about them renaming Zach Morris over here? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> sorry. No, I just I've been I've been dying to ask this question to people who like understand. What did you think about them renaming the MCU as Earth One Nine 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 Nine, as well, opposed that, to what they did, which was War Six One Six. Yeah, because the one nine 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 is correct. They said six one six in Multiverse of Madness, but yeah. the six one six is the comic book one. Uh, I don't know what I. I think uh, I but feel MC like uh, really Jordan. You really? seem to have this. You seem to have this better formed in your head than I do. But it the one nine 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 nine. That well, is the yeah. MCU, the comics correct? have always been. Yeah, the comics have always been six one six, and then that was designated to the movie verse when it came the mcu when it came out and okay. there is a guy at marvel who has a whole excel sheet of all the universes for everything and ah! and i got to add the modok one in there uh was my son's birthday so uh oh, we got to kind That's of pick so our cool. yes and the actress who plays ms marvel corrects feige all the time and says, oh my no, no, god no, this is she's not. a nerd yeah. Oh, yeah. I love her yeah. so no, much. She, yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think and that, uh, at the end of the day, 616 is just a number Alan Moore came up with one day. Like, it, it doesn't really mean anything. It was from like a Captain Britain comic. Yeah, but does anybody so, want to tell Alan Moore that they've changed something that he wrote? So it's just easier to just stick with it. <laughs> but when we're Although, discussing the whole idea of like what is canon and what isn't canon and narrative is like how many times have like Lord Miller or people at Sony like you can't use that because of this thing? Because you have to, you know, all Spider-Man stories have to start with the death of, of Uncle Owen <laughs> like, and, or Uncle Ben. Sorry, Star Wars. Been in the Star Wars well. phase. 
Well, if you, 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 look, if, if you wanted to make the case that uh, that Luke Skywalker is also a Peter Parker, I'd be willing to listen to it. I mean, know? he kind of is, though, <laughs> yeah. like for real. Well, he's also a, he's also a Disney character. It makes he's sense also, that uh, they bought yeah. they bought both properties. I mean, don't they kill his life. uncle? And, and they do kill his he uncle. He's before like, oh, he I guess I got to go get some powers well, now. He was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to stick around. I, I, I can't go on your mission. I got uh, I got so much to stay home for. OK, I guess they're on fire. So let's. Uh, Let's 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 head off to the original uh, to plot space. armor. Yeah, our ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so uh, as as we start to wind down and we look ahead, uh, nine very long months. Um, what uh, what do you hope? This might even just be something that you don't think we're actually going to get. But what do you hope the feeling is after the next part? Is there is there a spider character that uh, you'd like to see? Is there a moment you'd like to see? I'll ask you first, Jeff. I mean, spider character. I don't know <laughs> all of them, right? Um, I, that's an impossible question. I don't know what spider character I want to see. I want to see Miles Morales, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. No, <laughs> not even two of them. Not um, even two of them. I don't know what the feeling from the next one. What a what a open ended question. I don't even know how to answer that. I guess. Do you think? Do you think I, that? Do you think that they're gonna? They're you know they they've done a lot of good setup. Do you think that? Uh, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with Back to the Future 3, but a lot of people do. So do you think they're going to Back to the Future 3 this movie? No, I think they're going to skip yeah, the landing. I don't think because, so. Because, again, I think, the, when, I think one of the things where I complained about the pacing is why I trust that they're going to nail the next one. Because it's like they didn't do the thing where they're like, all right, we got to come up with a good story. And then another story after that that finishes the story. It's like they just have one story that they're going to tell and they already knew where they were going to go from the get-go. So you don't have to make any big changes. So I'm, I'm positive that based on two movies so far, they can have my money for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel like this isn't a, a Matrix uh, two and three situation where, no. uh, you know, it, 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 you, you, they, they could have just stopped at one. I, I agree with or, you, by the way. Or any of Star uh, Wars. Well. Yeah, you know, years. I mean, they even they 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 put little Easter eggs that make perfect sense with a story from this one in the very first movie, right? Like, there's a the forty two on the spider, the fact that the yeah. spider's glitching. So right from the get go, yeah. you could think, oh, he got his powers because it's from a different dimension. But then you go, oh no, it's going to make it so that your these powers never belonged in your dimension and to you. So it's like if that was their plan all along, which I totally would believe. Like they've they've clearly the story's in good hands. Like they know what they're doing. Right. What do you think, Kate? Do you think it's dangerous expectations when you have uh, two movies that people like this much, uh, but this is just a continuation? Uh, are, are, are you a little at all nervous or you feel like, nah, they're going to, they're going to nail this. One no, too. they're going to stick the landing. 110%. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to stick the landing. Cause yeah. the movies are great because they stand by themselves, but like a comic book, it continues and it keeps going. Like yeah. I can, I can enjoy across the spider verse and I can enjoy into the spider verse and they've built off of each other, but they're completely, they're stand, they like into the spider verse is still a standalone movie, even though it's starting a trilogy yeah. um, in the same way that like a new hope was a, a, a good standalone movie that even, that even started a trilogy. Um, for me, I think the key of it is we've got the little team in, into the spider verse, like the kind of like we've dipped our toe in the water. We've now gotten, I think every iteration of spider that is possible 
um, in a in across the Spider Verse, and I think the keyword is beyond, and I think we're going to get more than just spiders because for me, God, I hope I'm not wrong because this is going to suck if I'm wrong. I feel like when Sony and Marvel did their their you know negotiations for for finishing the Tom Holland trilogy um, with No Way Home, Sony had to have gotten something back in order for them to make that trade. And sure. I think we're going to see more now that we've gotten a little bit more like live action can infiltrate this universe and animation can infiltrate live action like they should with the Venom thing. My dream is to give Miles Morales the mentor that he had that Spider-Man actually had in the comics. And I want to see Cap in this movie. I want to see it go beyond spider society. I want to see the stand like a tree next to the river of truth scene said to miles morales at the like because who else is from brooklyn except for cap and so it's like it has to not affect what secret wars has going it can't affect what yeah, of course youth has going on but they can use characters that that have affected the universe that the fans already know in a way that that actually if like that's i think a lot, what a lot of people were disappointed of in the mcu spider-man is cap was such a big character for spider-man and in, and it was almost replaced with Stark, and I would love to see them go beyond Spider Man and start bringing in characters adjacent to the Spider Man canon that affect people who affected Spider Man beyond Spider Man. Um, well, and I think that's where they're going to go. Yeah, I want to uh, simultaneously talk about how the Spider Woman, the Jess Drew that we get in this movie, is great, yes. but it did make me miss seventies. Uh, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. So uh, there's still room for her. She's basically one of the ones that's missing. But uh, Jordan, we already said who I know you would like to see in the next one. Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> but is there anyone else? Any any characters you didn't create that uh, that that you're hoping might get a nod? Um, I don't know. Am I? My, I mean, I think they're absolutely going to stick the landing. I think, like I said, they have already made the number one and number three best Spider-Man movies of all time. So uh, I'm sure this, the last two? one will slide right in there. Uh, Spider-Man Two. Okay. Yeah, that that uh, the the one with uh, obviously the one with Doc Ock. Yeah, that that was that yeah. was my favorite, and, and then I'm kind his of his voice torn is between. in across. By the way. Oh yeah, we get a little yes, uh, Alfred Molina. So yeah, that is nice. Yeah, it's it, yeah. But I think I, the, the first that, Spider-Verse is number one. <laughs> first Spider-Verse yeah. is number one in my best Spider-Man movie ever made. In my opinion. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to um, fight with that ranking. I, I love all those movies, uh, but yeah, Spider-Man Two uh, for for a long time, I would say that was my favorite just superhero movie. But uh, there have been so many since then; it's hard to right. it's hard to keep track, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I've got uh, a question. Yeah. Do you think that this that the the 2099 Spider-Man could kind of his storyline could mirror some of the uh, what was it? I can't think. Remember the uh, Kang's name in Loki? What was the the last guy? What he, he who he who remains. remains. Yeah. Could it be like Mort a similar he who remains? <laughs> well, just the idea that it's like he's saying that there has to be these inflection points, but that could be to weave his Spider Verse because it was it's his like red electric web that we saw as like the web of the Spider Verse. 
and it's him who's insisting that these things have to happen for the Spider-Verse to exist. But it's just like when you apply multiversal rules more like your Rick and Morty's where it's like anything can happen. That's the point. Like (laughs) literally anything can happen. So whatever happens, the opposite of that can also happen and it doesn't destroy the universe. It's just an alternate dimension. Uh, I think it's a... I don't know. My my hope is like so counter to all this. I want the movie to shrink and I want it to be like weirdly smaller and more intimate and street level and I mean keep all the characters come back to earth I think that's what I loved about the first one is it felt like a great Spider-Man story we had some multiverse elements but it still felt all set in New York you know and I kind of and I love this big grand scale adventure we went on in the second one and all the Spider-Man all this stuff but I kind of want it to scope back down if that makes sense what and if like it's... get back to core Spider-Man well, stuff what if it's only Brooklyn across across different multiverses because what i really loved about the final scene of across is we were in brooklyn mm-hmm. in different parallel universes and yes. we were like, like we like we yeah. saw 42 we saw 1610 we saw gwen stacy's like new version of new york and they were all bleeding into each other to the point where like it took me until like realizing that rio's eyes were green that i was like oh we're not in the right place <laughs> and like but the the is that would that also hit those that mark of like if we have to bleed universes in that way then it's all brooklyn just different multiverses crashing hmm. yeah would that i think the- so i think like I, I i guess for me i always like when spider-man gets pulled into big you know marvel universe secret war stuff but then i also love that he's still just the guy you the know never from new Spider-Man. York that yeah no, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with Jordan. I love friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. There have been times where he's been cosmic Spider-Man. They've, you know, in the film version, obviously he goes off to fight Thanos. He gets a cool suit. But I, I do like when he's the guy who's uh, worried about paying the rent or Aunt May's hospital bills or, you know, I, I really like small. Uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, maybe not the next movie, but maybe we but, will get a small milestone. I mean, I don't uh, think, down I the road. think we will. Well, I think to, to, to the point you were making, Kate, like it could be both, right? Because it could be yeah. just about Brooklyn and it could be about all the dimensions and the multiverse at once. And they did set that up potentially in that first one. Cause that was the whole problem in the first one is, Oh, our reality is going to collapse in with other realities. And all these other realities are trying to occupy the same space as ours. And That's now you have a having... spot that can just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> what? my, my yeah. one complaint with the MCU, the MCU movies is the first one ends with being like, just kidding. I don't want to be Avenger. I'm better off here. I'm a friendly neighbor of Spider-Man. And then the next movie's like, you're part of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. You know? And now you're going to space. And it's like, wait, you just told me he's supposed to stick around here. Yeah, that's true. That's a, <laughs> I actually didn't think about that until you said right. it. Uh, well, well um, I guess it's because the guy who told him to stay home died. So he's like, well, you can't tell me what to do anymore, jerk. <laughs> so now I'm going. Now I'm an anomaly. A a burgeoning multiverse that we could all spend some more time with is uh, a great series from Dark Horse called Minor Threats that uh, Jordan, you did with uh, Patton Oswalt and uh, obviously other great creative types and it has been it the trade paperback is out or it's coming out i uh, i don't i don't want to misrepresent no it's coming happening. out um it actually 
comes out in July. Uh, but we are having some events in LA and New York where people can get it early. So, yes. on, so uh, in, in, in Los Angeles, uh, for our audio listeners, I'll explain, uh, June 21st, uh, that'll be at, uh, that'll be in Eagle rock. What's the name of the store? I'm, I'm, I'm missing that somewhere. Uh, it's called uh, revenge of, Oh, Reven- that's why I didn't get it because it's, it's actually a pretty great name for a shop, uh, revenge of in, in Eagle rock. So it'd be, uh, you, Pat Oswalt, uh, Scott Hepburn. And, uh, there's there's signing delicious barbecue. Come on, who doesn't want to go there? And and stand up sets, uh, including Ron Funches and Brian Posehn, and uh, uh, that's for our friends friends in Los Angeles. But you might be thinking, I live in New York. I really wish that there would be something like that that I could go to. Well, good news, everyone. There is. Uh, Saturday, June 24th at, uh, I didn't even know there was a Midtown Comics Grand Central. I just knew the other one by Port Authority, but, uh, uh, so people can uh, find it there. You guys will be signing and, uh, Jordan, I'll have you know that, uh, I'm in New York when you're doing the LA one. And then I'm back in LA when you're doing the New York oh, one, so I'm going to miss both of them, but oh, I, uh, well, I, I strongly endorse the book. I really, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, the so for people who don't live in either of those places, uh, they'll be able to they can probably order the trade paperback of Minor Threats now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can pre-order it now. And what's your uh, elevator pitch uh, for people that want to know what the book is? I know the way I would try to sell it, but since you since you wrote it, I'll let you sell it. <laughs> well, if you like characters like The Spot, um, it's about those guys, kind of the jobbers, the the D-list supervillains who um, life kind of becomes hellacious for them after an A-list villain kills an A-list hero sidekick and all these heroes come and crack down and they can't go about their business. So they decide to go after the uh, A-list villain in hiding and collect the bounty on his head. And it's basically a hell night for super villains. Uh, kind oh, of the warriors. Yeah. So if, if you so like fun. the armadillo and the film, the warriors, you're going to definitely like this. And I like yes. both of those things. That's, That's our audience. Really great. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very small Venn diagram, but right there is right in the middle is minor threats. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so very exciting that uh, yeah. people will be able to get to see all of that. I just and, hope uh, Patton clinks some bottles on his fingers at the uh, <laughs> signing. Come out and play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. way to get everyone's attention when we're introducing yeah. comedians. Is it like we have to dress up as our uh, as like what we would be as a D-list villain? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, not like a re- not like a real one, just like who? No, like if co- closet cosplay D-list it, villain. Yeah, if you ever if you ever yeah, want to do that, we'll put, a, we'll put him or her in the book. Done. Yeah, that's a good I, idea. I, or I'll, I'll just come dressed as Turner D. Century either way because you can't go. <laughs> I'm so sad. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out on on two really fun times, but uh, <laughs> I'll take but, uh, notes. I'll do we'll a do, live we'll do podcast. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, it'll be out in July. And uh, anything uh, anything else coming down the pike? Obviously, there's as a as a television writer, there's a there's a lot of uh, striking, a lot of writing of signs that uh, is going on. My wife's doing that every day with her sister, and they're out there. Uh, but, uh, when, when there's, there's time again, where it'll be all right to write, is there, is there, are there any comics coming up anything or, uh, yeah, well, a lot of TV stuff, film stuff put on hold, but, um, we have the minor threats universe is growing. 
There's going to be some huge announcements at San Diego. We're doing a panel that'll get Yay! announced soon. Um, there's going to be merch and fun stuff like that. Uh, so we're going to have a big presence at, at San Diego. And so stay tuned for that. And then I have some more Marvel work, a Venom, a Venomverse thing uh, coming out this summer as well. A story in one oh, of great. those books. And uh, your your name is Jordan Bloom, but it's spelled Blum Jordan on Instagram. And, and I think... You you uh, promoted you have a different social uh, media handle, but I don't remember which one that was. Oh, I'm on really. Twitter and Blue Sky and and those. A Blue yeah. Sky, that was the, the one. I should have should have should have remembered the the Jeff Lynn connection. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Duray, you don't want to be found. That still continues to be true. No, correct? Jeff Lynn continues to look for me, and I will have none of it. <laughs> He's not going to find you. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you. We'll see you on the on the blackcast. We'll have to talk about when uh, when you're going to see the flash, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we'll we'll plan that uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, Kate, uh, where can people find you and your film? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and the works at Cornellable, C O R N E L L A B L E, and you can find Uncanny, an X Universe fan film on youtube and on instagram i like it i like x-men were great i like the x-men and you should i like marvel so you should if you like it you'll probably like it if you don't like it don't let if, me if you know like, if you like good stuff you're gonna like my good stuff if you're I gonna like that. if you like geek stuff you'll probably like my yeah. geek stuff as always i can be found on twitter and instagram at christian dmz Subscribe to Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, we have a YouTube channel there. That's all the time we have for now. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Blackcast. Thank you for listening to the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Well, this has been the Bladcast. I am I your host. <laughs> you can find me at ChristianDMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. The Bladcast. Welcome to the stream. Who are you? One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Blackcast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Blackcast with me and Carl. It was a great show. Are you ready to play? To catch? An alien? Christian? That's me. <laughs> Who I've never heard <laughs> hey. of before? Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. One of Christian Blatt's favorite people in here to talk to one of his other favorite people. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> I'm glad Christian Blatt uh, put that up because I totally forgot I am doing the podcast tomorrow. So, yes.
Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny.